0: Did we just become best friends? Yeah! One is a t-shirt queen, and the other is an SEO and web-developing ninja. And both of these squirrels are a little nuts. You're now listening to the More Gooder Ideas Podcast, a show for the small business hustlers worldwide, encouraging you to be your most authentic self. This is the place where your whole story matters. Come for the tips and stay for the fun. Now, your hosts, Angie Patterson and Jay Smith. Hit that recording.
1: Okay. So we're recording. Let me close that out and put it on us, us, and Welcome. we're ready to roll. So this is episode Dace 10.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I only speak know. Spanish when I'm around native speakers and I'm drinking.
2: Oh. So if I
1: go on vacation to Mexico, something like that, and I've, I've had some, and I'm around people who are just constantly speaking it, I pick it right back up, because when I was a oh, kid, really? I was pretty fluent, yeah, because I grew up in Southern California, so it's kind of a thing, you know, you hear Spanish is like one hour a week in schools until you get to high school, which is pretty meaningless, you're not going to learn anything, um, learn more from Sesame Street, to be honest, yeah, uh, but in, in California, I think from... Second or third grade on, I had it every day of the week. It was a full class.
2: Wow. And that was
1: all the way through high school. And I took, at UofL, I took, I think, three semesters of it.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I can usually pick it back up pretty decent, but it's like anything else. Um, you know, I say that a lot about computer programming and coding and all that. Like, you got to be exposed as, as a kid. Um, so, fortunately, these days, kids are native native digital so they call so they they are born with a computer in their hands so they are exposed to it at an early age um so it's not quite as difficult to pick up so what are we uh what are we digging into
2: i'm supposed to ask you about the spider that lives in your truck now
1: i forgot all about it
2: oh i didn't forget yeah we're off
1: we're <laughs> off of uh, we're off schedule on filming i forgot all about the spider so i just got my truck back it was in an accident like eight weeks ago and like the day after I get it back, I get in my truck to, uh, drive to the office and I don't, of course it's all a blur now, but as soon as I do something or set something down, there is a humongous spider just sitting there on my hand.
2: <laughs> Hello.
1: Yeah. Just looking at me like, what dude? Like I've been living here for weeks. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who so, are you in my house? So I do what one does. I flip out and I fling him and somehow he goes right from my hand onto my steering wheel. <gasps> So then I just open the door and I get out and I just like get my breath.
2: And you call an Uber.
1: Reck- no. <laughs> set the truck on fire and put the house up for sale. <laughs> Once I looked at him, like really looked at him and calmed down a little bit, realized he's just a daddy long legs, he's not a brown recluse or anything crazy. I picked him up by his little leg and I set him in the lawn of the neighbor and got <laughs> the him neighbor's truck. lawn. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna put him in my lawn, I'm like be free, man. Go go spider away, but uh go away. So <laughs> And, and now, you know, now, of course, I get in my truck and I'm like a little more aware, you know, doing that thing where you look in the back seat uh-huh. as if as if there's some spider kidnappers who are just like
2: waiting hey, for he, you.
1: He got Frank, but we're getting this son of a bitch. <laughs> like, we'll just bide our time. Right.
2: I'm glad you survived. I've been real worried about you since then.
1: <laughs> so like, Radio darkness for a few days. Like, I, I just have to unpack some things. So what else are we talking about?
2: Um, I did want to address our one comment on YouTube.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so we finally got our first YouTube comment. <laughs> and it was, um, I mean, and we, like, so the last short I posted had, like, was it 1,200? views, views. Which is a
2: lot for us.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're just starting out. And this is our ninth, it was our ninth, our eighth episode about, uh, New Jack City and the Cash Money Brothers. And, uh, I posted one of the shorts about, um, I can't remember which it was, I think it was... The marketing genius of Nino Brown or something like that. And um, this one person, not a subscriber, uh, I can't remember their username, but they gave us some feedback. It was, wait, you suck. (laughs) So um, thank you so much for that uber helpful uh, analysis of... (laughs) Our uh, small business stylings. Um,
2: Thanks for tearing down something that we were really proud of. Right. That we enjoyed ourselves making.
1: Hey, we're getting somebody's attention. If, If I caused or you caused enough of a reaction in someone that they were like, you know what? I need to actually put my feelings down in text format. I can't just let this one go by. This person sucks to the level that I must let them know that they have impacted my life with their suckness.
2: Exactly. We made an impact.
1: That's right. We're touching lives with suck. You're welcome. Yep. So, happy trails.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you have feelings about our podcast.
1: (laughs) All right. So, what else we got going on?
2: We are going to talk about branding, right?
1: Okay. So, I will do a little segue here though because we are going to continue with this fictional small businesses and kind of, you know, tips and lessons. And there was one that's that's very well known. Actually, there's two that are very well known along the same lines, so they they are worth mentioning, but they don't have enough material behind them to create a full episode on. Okay. However, I think the lesson behind them super impactful and if you can nail this Sky's the limit. Okay. So we're talking about Stark Industries. Oh my God. And Wayne Enterprises. Okay. So Bruce Wayne, Batman, Wayne Enterprises. Sad boy. Stark Industries. Tony Iron Man. Stark. Iron Man. Right. Superheroes, one in DC, one in Marvel. Huge movies. Yada yada yada. However, they both run massive corporations.
2: Run massive corporations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the lesson here is <laughs> In order to enjoy the success of a corporation like Wayne Corp or Stark Industries, all you need to do is be born to ultra-rich megalomaniacs who are heavily tied to organized crime and or shady government agencies. If you can nail that, (laughs) sky's the limit.
2: Okay, that's why I was wondering where you're going, because I'm like, they both just kind of got their businesses, not that they didn't maybe elevate them. Or bring something to the table. But
1: if you can just nail down getting born into the richest family in the city, if not the world.
2: Maybe somebody tragically kills your parents.
1: You know how many t-shirts you could rock if you had like Jarvis helping you design t-shirts? That's
2: what I'm saying. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. So that was it. That was (laughs) our episode on how to succeed by taking cues from Batman and Iron Man. Sorry, oh is it time to bust out? <laughs> That's right, I figured out the sound effects. You're all in deep, deep trouble. <laughs>
2: I love sound effects so much.
1: We are not, I'm saying it right here for posterity, we are not going to abuse the sound effect board. Okay. <laughs> now I'm done. Let's actually get started with the actual episode.
2: Okay, I'm not prepared.
1: I am well. So um, I think giving the backstory on where this came from will help. Yes. So we have our first super fan.
2: Yay!
1: We love you, Cassidy Thomas. Yes, she is. Um, she lives, breathes everything we do and say. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't do anything without first consulting the sage wisdom in the More Gooder Ideas podcast.
2: I love her so much. Right. I hope she's okay out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, I'm joking. Um, however. Uh, She has listened to every episode and has given me very valuable feedback. Uh, She's significantly younger than us. So she's just kind of starting off in her career, right? And uh, we were out to dinner a few weeks ago. And she's like, it's great that you all are entrepreneurs and running your own small business. But do you have guidance or tips that you can give those of us who don't want to necessarily be an entrepreneur. They, they want to succeed and elevate themselves in a career. It makes perfect sense because you and I have both spent far more years inside of companies and corporations than we have as entrepreneurs. Yes. And really when you get down to it, marketing yourself is just as important as marketing a small business. Yes. If you're going to take that career track because you, it's only on you to maximize your earning potential when you're working for employers, You'll have very, very good companies that are, that are heavily invested in bringing you along and, and raising you up or immediate supervisors who take a, you know, a kind of a mentor type outlook on you. But for the most part, you're in a, you're just in a sea of other people and you have to figure out what are the ways that I can rise above the crowd or elevate my skills to the point where I can go find a better opportunity if this one isn't it. Yes. So do you have anything right off the top for that?
2: Well, my initial thought when we first started talking about it was it can be tricky because when you're in a workplace versus working for yourself, there are some parameters, right? You don't necessarily want to be known in the corporate world as the person that makes inappropriate jokes or... (laughs) You know, the person who wears silly hats, where as that might be, you're
1: looking right at me. <laughs> what the hell?
2: Somebody who only wears hats with their initials on them. You know that works <laughs> fine in your personal life or your small business where you are the brand, but um, you do have to toe some of those lines when you're in the corporate world because you don't want to get yourself in trouble. To be frank, sure, you don't want to be the person who's, um, you know, not professional or you're going to get called into the hr office right so that was kind of my initial thought was you have to find uh my favorite word a balance of being authentic to yourself Mm -hmm. but also kind of knowing where that line is as far as bringing your personality to the table
1: sure sure um the way I approached this was just looking at my own career in transportation management, um, which spanned over 20 years, uh, was, and it was largely just hard work that got me everywhere I was and also changing companies. So, uh, in trucking and I was in trucking management for, I think six or seven different companies over the 20 plus years I was in the industry. Um, it was, it's just one of those industries that's, got the whole if you want to move up you have to move type mentality particularly you know 10 20 years ago was more prevalent because it was easier to kind of force that on people uh especially the large publicly traded companies it's like if you want to become an operations manager you have to be willing to move anywhere so you would uproot family for minimal raise and basically paying your dues well i was not in a situation where uh, my young family that was really feasible not for insignificant raises. So what I did instead was I maximized my time at each company and then I moved companies to stay here in Louisville and move up in position. Um, what, what good papa. It worked. Uh, it worked and it also allowed me to constantly <laughs> expand my network of people I worked with. So when you know when I was applying for an, a more and more elevated management position a massive benefit I brought to the table was the network of people that I had worked with in the past, not just customers, but also people who were very specialized in billing or in routing or in finance and trucking. So I knew people at every level. And oftentimes when I joined a new organization, they said, Hey, we really need somebody to do this. I I know somebody who's great at that. And that was a big differentiator for me. Um, So along those lines, and I'm kind of diverting here, but I think a really big thing that a lot of people overlook when they join a new organization. Of course, it's all, you know, it's a totally different environment. You're just feeling your way through and all that. Um, but not maximizing the relationships you make at every level. Anytime you join an organization where people have been there a very long time, Generally everybody has their set ways of like, Oh, that's, that's Rose. She's been here 20 years. You can't change anything about her. Oh, that's Jim in accounting. He's, you know, he's a big UK fan. And if you just talk to him about that, that's how you get this out of him. And people just have everybody in these little just convenient buckets because it's, it's easy, it's lazy and often just to maximize your own efficiency. They'll say, you don't need to worry about that department. You don't need to talk to those people. Just run it through here and you'll get it done. You don't need to do any of that stuff. And I have found so many opportunities just by engaging with people, like working for a trucking company that's centralized in Richmond, Virginia that I used to work for or Dothan, Alabama. And if I would regularly interact with somebody in a department at the home office or at a regional office, I'd call them and just, just get to know them. And understand their role entirely, because it's easy for us to presume well, that person just doesn't care because they're always real short when I send them this request or that request. You have no idea what all they've got going on or, or how many of the are out there that they're used to not sending in things the way they're supposed to be done. And oftentimes, if you just ask them, Hey, am I sending this to you the correct way? They might've just presumed you're just being taught wrong. Cause that happens all <laughs> the time. And they're like, you know, everybody does this wrong and it's never going to get fixed and all that. But if you just reach out and say, hey, I've noticed I've had to change this a few times. Can you show me like exactly what you need out of it? A, you'll now know how to do it correctly and save yourself some time. B, you'll now have an ally in that department who knows that you actually care about doing things the right way.
2: Yeah. Every relationship you make, whether it is... For a professional purpose, like you said, or if it's just the person you sit next to on your lunch break or the person that parks next to you in the parking lot, every one of those relationships will ultimately make you better at your job. Oh, yeah. Whether you can see it immediately or not, any knowledge that you have, excuse me, that you can gain from somebody else who works there is going to help you do your job better.
1: Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think, you know, you hit, you hit something right there. It's, and I can't remember who said this. I've even repeated it before, but you, there are no neutral interactions ever. You never interact with someone where you don't either add positive vibes to their life or negative. You don't just get coffee at Starbucks, drive off, and you have not impacted that person in any way. It's not possible. Yeah. It's like a law of physics or something or thermodynamics. I don't know. Come at me, nerds. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and I don't know who said that. It's definitely not me because it's way too smart for me. But it's true. Like there are no neutral interactions. So just keep that in mind. And oftentimes, when especially when you're doing you know the internal customer thing and you're talking to somebody in another department in your company and it's a frustrating interaction, you don't know how many of those they've just had. Like when you call them to you, it's the only time they're being called. They get you all day long from other people. Mm-hmm. So have a little grace um and you know i I have also found like because I joined companies where people have been there a very long time, so the siloed knowledge, things like that are are tough to break through, and the way you do that is through regular conversations. Some people you will never break through to. I have had that too. Like (laughs) some people are not going to change and they're not going to share because they're afraid that that's going to impact their, you know, their role or their job or their importance in the organization. And
2: to your point about grace and empathy, I mean, that's the number one way for you to stand out in my opinion in any organization is showing empathy, showing compassion Asking questions, not just to get the answer, but so that they can have that kind of release of information or frustration or joy. Um, I would say that was probably my biggest success when I was in a real job was.
1: You go with that real job shit.
2: (laughs) I don't even remember what it's like anymore to have a real job. (laughs) I think that's why people were more likely to help me and they were more likely to give me information or tips or heads up on what's going to happen, um, because they liked me and they didn't necessarily know anything about me personally. It didn't have to be, oh, well, we're best friends. It was just, they knew I cared, even if it was just a little bit more than, than the person at the other store, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Pat myself on the back for that one. There you go.
1: (laughs) So I've got another good one. And um, one of my leaders in the Army told me this 30-some years ago. Uh, But it's one of those things that just stuck with me. And it was just like, seek out those things that nobody likes to do and make them like your favorite thing to do. And first of all, you'll realize real quick that those things aren't as bad as everybody Thanks, And I'll give you the perfect example because it's, it's natural to me now. Um, it's just, it's just, it's second nature. Cause I've done it so, so long, you know, it, it, when I was super young, it was work the crappy shifts, work a double, anything that needs to be doing, I'll do it. I wouldn't even hesitate for someone else to raise their hand. I'm doing it. And more recently, several months ago, I had a part-time job at Costco because I, I needed the health insurance and that was a fantastic place to work. That company really knows how to do it right as far as taking care of people.
2: Sponsor us,
1: Costco. To, brought to you by – no, it's not brought to you by Costco. This <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored nor is it endorsed by Costco.
2: It could be one day though.
1: Uh, yeah, they could. Yeah. I was working AM stock, so I would. I was just stocking all the shelves all morning. People have no idea how much cardboard – gets cycled through one of those warehouses every single day. Do
2: You have to take it to the compactor.
1: Yes, there's a baler in the back. And I recognize and I was only there a couple months, but I recognized very quickly that it the you know the baler only gets to a certain weight and you have to compact it down. But I noticed, you know, as it starts getting to that limit where you have to make a bale, which is you have to bind it up and you have to stop what you're doing for a good 10 15 minutes and do this people would avoid taking their boxes back and and all. And then the managers would have to get on the radio and, and almost like point to people and say, go, I need you to make a bail. And so I learned really quickly, you know, I, you got to do it. So I learned really quickly how to make it and all that. And finally I'm like, Excuse it. so I just like, I'm bail champion. Doesn't bother me a bit. I enjoy doing it.
2: Everyone loves you.
1: They do. But <laughs> then over time, other people are like, they know that I'm going to help. If I walk around there and they're st- I'm going to jump in and help them get that done, they start helping you. Then people are doing it more and more and they're realizing, yeah, this really isn't all that bad. It's not that big a deal. So it's got kind of this boogeyman thing about it where some of the newer people have been taught to avoid it at all costs and don't really even know how to do it.
2: Yeah, this is the worst. <laughs> right.
1: But then they, you do it with and and your attitude is like, yeah, this is not that big a deal and it needs to get done. If we don't do it now, it's going to be a much bigger problem down the road. Those kind of things really stand out. And those that's how you that's how you elevate your brand within a company is seek out those things that everyone just avoids. And yeah, they might avoid them because it really does suck. But in many cases it only sucks because that's the that's kind of the attitude you take towards it when you got to do it. If you just jump in it and like this is what I'm doing. It's got to be done. I'm going to do it with fervor and I'm going to be pumped about it. It doesn't suck all of a sudden.
2: Right. And it's, those kind of things have a really big snowball effect. So, you know, now you're bail champion and you're out there at the compactor and you're doing your thing. Well, now you've got, you know, your buddy who kind of feels bad for you, right? That you Mm -hmm. keep doing it. Well, now you guys are talking about stuff while you're bailing the, the cardboard, you know? So now, now you've built this relationship with this person. Um... And
1: that actually happened. I did develop closer bonds with some of the people because they always knew that I was around the corner and if they needed help with the bailer, I was right there.
2: Yeah. And what are you going to talk about? Right. You know, it may not seem important in that moment, but now you've built an ally there. And it wasn't just because you did the actual thing that sucked, right? No, it's because
1: you were, you were actually in the trenches together doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just having blinders on and this is my lane and. This is what I do.
2: Right. And to take it to the next level, it is essential for you to do those things if you want to be a leader somewhere, if you want to move into a leadership position, because one, it shows that you have the ability to be a leader, but also when you get to that leadership position, the people that have been in the trenches with you are going to have a lot more respect for you and they're going to work harder for you and they're going to make it easier for you to succeed as a leader as well.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: And I saw that a lot in my <clears throat> in my last position. And
1: so I don't know if we've talked about it. Are you okay telling where you worked?
2: I did. I worked at Vans.
1: The shoes? Yes. Okay.
2: Also a great company to work for. So I feel like we were really lucky that we kind of got set up to go into entrepreneurship from awesome companies. They treated me great. I loved working there. Yeah. Um, And I was hired as an assistant store manager. And then I was promoted to store manager there. So that was my position when I left there. Okay. Um, But yeah, I was... It's a retail environment. So you're sort of in the trenches with them. And I tried really hard to never be above anything that the other employees had to do. And we did a lot of it together. And it was fun. And we... <clears throat> built relationships, and if you've ever worked in a retail environment, if there's nobody in the store, you really form those bonds with the people you're working with, and you're sure. working late nights, you're working holidays, and times when people would rather be with their families. So you have, I think, a really unique opportunity to build relationships there, but I would like to think that's part of the reason why people liked working for me is because I was never going to ask them to do something I would to do.
1: Amen. <clears throat> I like
2: it. And it was just such a bonding experience for us, even though the actual task wasn't that great. Sure. But I did hire people, but most of my managerial staff worked there when they were employees and I was an assistant manager. And so it felt good to know that they trusted me and they respected me enough to do what I wanted them to do. They wanted me to be the manager. You sure. know, I kind of miss it. Yeah.
1: Um unless you have, you know, a very specific setup that's designed to work like that. So what else you got?
2: Now that I've made my big reveal of where I used to work, that's where I draw any information I have that's valuable today. <laughs> if any of it comes out is from that job because it was very much about being your authentic self. And so I think we might have talked about this in our first episode. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a hard thing to figure out where that line is. I'm very loud. I'm funny. I like to, you know, make jokes and do stuff like that, but it's a very serious business. And so that was an ongoing lesson the whole time I worked there of how do I be authentic, but how do I also bring to the table what they need for me to run this business? Sure. Which at the time I left, we were, um, you know, a million dollar store. It's a company who is on The upswing and was very much on the upswing when I worked there. Everybody needed vans. They wanted vans. It's a West Coast business, mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, Just in the last several years, have they really dug their fingers into the East Coast, besides just like the big cities. There's only three van stores in the state of Kentucky, which is where we're from. So there's not like tons of sister stores and I don't know where I was going with all this. But yeah, it was hard for me because I wanted to be authentic to myself, but I didn't want to step on any toes. I wanted to be seen as capable and professional. I didn't want people to think that because I'm silly and all over the place that I couldn't run a really successful streamlined business. Right.
1: That's one of the big challenges. And that's kind of where at some point you recognize that you're pretty entrepreneurial because you're like you're
2: i can do it all
1: you're throttling yourself a little bit like your personality and your expression just because you're part of a much larger machine yeah and in order to fully express what you want to do you have to end up doing your own thing unless you want to just stick with that which is fine yeah but at some point you know you decided like you needed to
2: Well, to the points that you made earlier in the episode, I did have um, several really great mentors, Mm -hmm. but one specifically, um, he was my regional manager for just one business year. And he made such an impact on um, my business knowledge, but also that I was great just how I was. There was nothing wrong with my personality. There was, not that anybody before that said there was anything wrong with it, but- that he loved how I was and he could see all the ways that would be beneficial to my business. That's cool. Um, so that really helped me. Um, that really helped us like I said reach a million dollar point which was huge because that meant we got more staff. Um, so that was my whole goal while I worked there was to get as many people working there as possible. <laughs> all
1: right So I've got another one and I don't even I don't remember where I ever heard this little saying either. I know it's in a book I read. But it's, it's making use of sawdust and kind of the analogy is is like when you're woodworking or you're making something, there's a lot of sawdust. And the general wisdom is to just vacuum it up and throw it away. It's garbage, but you can actually make use of that stuff. So that is the cast off of the process in the day to day process you're making or creating something, whether that's data driven or whether that's product driven and there are things that are cast off that are not used or thrown away or wasted and an example is um wood pallets you are constantly reusing pallets and loading them in and out with forklifts they get busted up and you end up with this massive pile of just junky pallets that you eventually have to send people out there to spend a couple hours cleaning up and busting up and throwing the wood away and then you've got rusty nails all over the parking <laughs> lot and and then I found out because uh, a guy, you know, because you see these pickup trucks driving down the road that have tons of pallets on them. You're like, what is going on with that? They're recycling them. So there are pallet companies in the area that pay recyclers to go around and bring them junky pallets that so they can rebuild and resell. So it costs nothing to get a hold of one of these guys and say, "Hey, why don't you come through here once a week and take all these pallets?" Now, of course, you have to police it because. Some of them will only take the good stuff and leave you a pile of garbage. And it's like, well, that's not really benefiting me <laughs> because I still have a pile of junk to deal with. And if it's good enough, we were going to reuse it. So then you get <laughs> kind of in a tug of war of like, they're trying to take all your good pallets too. Yeah, kind of thing. I'm sure larger companies have programs in place to handle paper recycling, pallets, things like that. But the overall point is in your process, there is data that's being generated that no one does anything with or uses. That That if you just like kind of set it on the table and look at it for what it's worth. Like We could do something with this that will actually impact the business. And that's how you really stand out is innovating.
2: Rising to the top. Yeah, That's 100%. a very quick way to rise to the top.
1: Hey, what's up? Sorry for the abrupt uh, end to the episode. Uh, we ended up recording for over an hour, and there's still a lot of value in the conversation uh, Angie and I are having regarding uh, leveling up your career and marketing yourself so i'm gonna just cut it right here and then edit the second part for a two-parter but i wanted to at least say something rather than just abruptly pulling the ripcord and leaving you wondering what the hell just happened so uh, next week we will wrap up you incorporated and we'll see you then
0: thanks for checking out this episode of the more gooder podcast make sure to follow us on instagram and twitter at more gooder ideas and search us up on facebook the more gooder ideas podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode